Hey, Dylan. Yeah, Coop? Dude, you remember Macross 7? Fuck yeah, I do. Let's yeah, talk boy. about it. Yeah, boy. Because, holy shit, um, a lot happened in this week's uh, <laughs> roll of episodes. Like, here is the big, dense story Bible. We getting, okay, we're not getting 13 Sentinels in here, because that's like, that's like a Rubik's Cube, and Macross 7's like uh thanksgiving meal um we're recording this just after thanksgiving i uh, hope everybody had a safe and happy turkey day um and had a good time and safely had good times but yes this was dense and hot and crazy so we got a lot to talk about so you just want to jump right on in yeah let's do it yes okay so episode 10 um uh, we're coming up on the apartment Aku show and Basara is pretty much shucking awake because he notices that the fire Valkyrie is being loaded onto a truck. Um, and Ray's like, dude, I told you before, we're taking it for maintenance. Like, don't worry about it. And Basara's like, why? Basara, this is baby. Basara don't know, want no touch his baby. Um, but Ray takes it on off um, as he... Uh, He's about to head off. Mylene's also around and about. She was about to ask Ray for his opinion on a song idea before he heads on up. And she's like, what did you do before Firebomber? He's left by this point, but he's like, what is Ray's whole deal? Because admittedly, she doesn't know know him super well outside of what they've been playing together. And then Mm -hmm. Akiko shows up as soon as Ray leaves. So just missed him. And she's like, oh, I want to talk about a gig about uh, a gig with big industry folks. Um, so we have a good chance here. And Mylene's like, oh, that's dope. I'll have uh, Ray give you a call. And um, she mentions, yo, you've known Ray for a while, right? And <laughs> she's like, oh, he didn't tell you? He was uh, uh, UN fighter pilot back in the day, part of the UN Spacey. And he was he was an elite unit, so he was he was pretty good. Um, which goes in nicely that we find Ray. Um, he's a, at a top secret hangar with the Fire Velk, with multiple technicians and analysts working on it, getting it around and about and checking the data. And Gamlin tries to roll on into the hangar, but the military police guard is like, nope, sorry, it's way above my pay grade. You ain't getting in, dude. Um, and I can't answer any of your questions. So Gamlin's, he's pissed. He just wants to see if he saw that bird before. But nope, that doesn't work out. Um, and then back in the hangar, Ray is talking with Max and one of the lead officers about the Fire Valkyries who are on what is called Project M. Uh, which... And honestly, that was the most surprising thing for me. Um, I... You know, maybe they established this earlier. It's been so long, but I did not realize that like Ray and Max were working together. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty big. I don't. I think it's like lightly hinted, like in the first couple episodes, but nothing, 
nothing like direct like this. Mm. Um, though, do you think that M stands for the same thing? I think it stands for. <laughs> There's so many uh, names that begin with M, but yes, yes. Okay, because <laughs> you know I remember love. I think Max remembers it pretty well too. Um, <laughs> We're getting um, a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but uh, if you've seen Macross, you know that's M for Min May. Um, but anyways, O V E, lovely Min May. <laughs> boy um so the officer who's in the room with the two of them is getting a little frustrated by the pace at which the valkyrie fire valkyrie is being put through its paces and the results but ray's like hey we just need a little more time just chill out and max is all like you know basar is a pretty good pilot but he's nowhere as good as me when i was his age (laughs) of course (laughs) of course max of course um I mean, to be fair, Max was, you know, a, a genius as his last name. <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought he was a pro gamer. <laughs> yeah, all of his hot gamer skills. I can't believe Max is the left in. Yeah, oh, Max Ross <laughs> Deep Max thought bot. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, the um, G so- in Chris G stands for genius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Max is a Marvel three champion, winning with his lame ass Morgan strategies. <laughs> anyways, anyways, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Flower Girl um, shows up and she's feeling a lot like Gamlin in that hangar because she shows up for the big industry concert, but a, a bouncer at the door at the roped off gates like, hey, this industry gig girl, I'm sorry, can't come on in. Um, and in the green room, Basar shows up. And he's like, what's with all these people? This is not what we usually play for. Um before Mylene's like, yo, <laughs> we said before that Akiko had set this up with pretty much everybody in the entertainment on City 7, producers, TV executives, whatever, to come and see them. And instead of being like, ah, Basari's like, oh, that's really cool. Thanks, Akiko. <laughs> He's a little <laughs> taken off guard by it, so it's cool. Um, and the crowd is... Definitely dancing on that planet dance while they were playing. Hell, Flower Girl is still able to do it, even though she's roped off. And it's the crowd of fans trying to break into the industry concerts pretty great. <laughs> like, they're just storming that rope fence, and the bouncers are trying to keep them back. It's, it's pretty good. Um, though, <sighs> those fans are not the only people that are trying to get in. Um, there's a vampire in the rafters, and he's watching Basara's life juice, his spiritual, and it's growing fast. So they try to attack the band. Um, however, if the band gets away, people run on out of the venue, and they get back in into the back tour. Mylene just barely missing a life suck beam, um, which she does a couple times in this round of episodes. And, um, however... Once they get back in there, 
um, into the back back room area. Um, their pursuers end up like just popping through the vents. The vampire is like, we're all here. It's like four dudes and they're trying to surround them. And there's John, our military man shows up and he tries to get a shot at the guys with his assault rifle. And he's like, Hey Ray, take my pistol. And Ray picks it up and he has a, a flashback to what we can assume is an accident. And he ends up getting shot or slashed himself because he doesn't fire the gun. And eventually clears up to where, bless you. Um, Thank you. Sorry about that. You good. Um, (laughs) You can say that. Before I sneezed, I wanted to. Oh, yeah. No, let's hear your joke first. (laughs) You know where I was going. (laughs) You can say that Ray's Ray's injuries are nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. What I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) God damn it. What I was going to say was uh, I, I got some vague uh, Macross Plus vibes from that. Yeah, I got a little bit of that, too. Which, a little more as we learn more about that specific story, but yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, so, um, the vampires end up escaping, not before John, our military man, ends up shooting them a little bit. But they all hop out the window and defenestrate themselves. So they're out of there. Um, and we go to the hospital. Luckily, Ray got nothing major hit, but he's got about 16 stitches or so. And when Mylene asks him why he didn't fire the gun, he's like, I don't know how to use a gun. What are you talking about? Um, which is an obvious deflection. Um, but the girls then leave saying, oh, we're going to do some paperwork because uh, Mylene's asking a bunch of questions, and Akiko's like, eh, let's just get out of their hair. Um, leaving Basara and Ray in the room. Uh, but as soon as they leave, an alarm goes off, and Basara starts asking, okay, where's the fire valve so I can go get it? Um, however, in the meantime, Max and the deck are sizing up the situation, and they end up deploying all the Valkyries and the D-Force while they're at it. Um, and back in the hospital room, Ray is really hesitant to tell Basara where that Valkyrie is being kept, but tells him to meet him in Akusho. He'll call Basara when he has it. Basara heads on off, and then Ray starts struggling out of his bed. The girls soon come on back to find that he's gone. Uh, meanwhile, he's out in a phone booth making a phone call to have the Valkyrie dropped off um, at a gate in Akusho so he can get it to Basara. Uh, Mylene... Um, his first reaction is to go after Ray, but Akiko insists that she stay because Ray has a good reason for it. And two, <laughs> you're not going to be able to find him even if you wanted to. And really, she goes on to say, Ray didn't fire that gun, not because he doesn't know how to do it. It's just he straight out refuses to. Um, really, because <laughs> going on to Ray's backstory, he was an elite pilot before the Macross 7 Elite. A fleet had taken off and he feels utterly responsible for the death of his friend and co-pilot Steven who was on the pink pecker squadron with him and leader of the D-Force Kinru, Kiru, Kinru Yakuza, that's all I'm going to say on that um, and <laughs> um, love how we went from skull unit to pink pecker yeah. <laughs> pink pecker <laughs> <laughs> anyway um uh, speaking of Pecker, what happened is Ray got a little too uh, 
got his pink pecker a little too wet behind enemy lines when they were trapped. And that mounting an attack when Stefan was like, hey, what's not? <laughs> we're going to get killed. And because of that, Stephen got killed, unfortunately. And right after, Ray retired from the service. And Akiko reveals that, yeah, Stephen uh, was actually my boyfriend at the time. And it says that Ray helped her through the through it by <laughs> cheering her up, making her smile again. Though it's implied they have a little more history than just that through mm-hmm. those experiences. Um, and then we do cut off to Ray, who is in a little bit of road rage because everybody's trying to get to the shelter, but he ends up going off-road in the van to get to the Valkyrie. Um, Akiko continues telling the story that, you know, she hasn't seen Ray this lively before, this youthful... Um, really just because of Basara, that he has a dream and he has a goal now, something to live for. And like, maybe this is part of, you know, it seems like he's trying to live for Steven too. Um, though she doesn't quite understand the situation and is also a little jealous of the passion Ray has these days. Um, though, <laughs> speaking to Ray, he kind of regrets his current passion and the location he picked. Because uh, he has torn his stitches open trying to get to the Valkyrie. And he ends up making it and opens up the secret tree phone. (laughs) Confirming his, uh, I thought this was a nice touch, confirming his identity with like a pecker call sign. Gone back to his pink pecker days. And he confirms his identity and the guy on the lines, hey, you're late. And he's like, ah, sue me, dude. Um, And (laughs) uh, calls Basara up and Basara comes on his way. Um, back in the fight, uh, D-Force. Oh, I, sorry. Yes. I just wanted to butt in because, like, specifically the exchange where you're late was great because he was like, you're exactly, like, this many seconds yeah. late. And then Ray's response is just like, my watch doesn't have a second hand. Fuck you. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> Ray is chill, but we'll, we'll get on that again here, I think, after this episode. We'll have a couple things to talk about. Um... Mm-hmm. So in the fight, uh, Kiryu ends up going after Physica um, to help in the dog fighting. When Gamelin mentions, hey, where's Basara? I, he hasn't shown up. And Kiryu's like, oh, just forget about the karaoke ninja. He's not showing up. Don't think about him. <laughs> Even though he still is. I love the ka- karaoke ninja. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Basara... Uh, finally arrives and meets up with Ray, and he's pissed that he's pulled this stunt, which this has probably happened before, given his reaction. Yeah, giving us uh, a fucking pineapple salad scare over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's... Oh, this this episode's pineapple salad scare, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love so. how that's just, like, in our vernacular now. Like... Pineapple salad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was worried about that. <laughs> oh, pineapple salad. <laughs> omen. Like, there's so many death flags in this episode, but we'll get to it in a hot sec. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're almost through the episode. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Ray, Basara's like, why didn't you just tell me where this was? And Ray's like, my friends are kind of clammy. I don't think they'd listen to you. So it had to be me. And Basara's like, get the hell back to the hospital because you're not going to let me help help you. And Ray's like, ah, chill, go. I'm going to enjoy the rain for a hot second here. 
And we're back in the fight, and Gamlin is hot on Giggle's trail when Basara finally shows up. And I do believe I could be horrendously wrong. This is the first time we hear Totsugeki Loveheart um, being played, which is a perennial classic. Um, and Ray starts, he gets back to the van, he starts um, softly singing along. And we look back at the hospital also for a hot sec. And Bafidus is playing along on the window, on the glass window. <laughs> with drumsticks it's good so good um and giggle during the fight is noticing uh basara's spiritual level growing and starts to go after him when gavin's like okay you're fighting me like what's going on but the proto devlin (laughs) and giggle's forces retreat and basara comments ah he oddly enough he feels a bit better singing today than usual he's still a little you know, sad he didn't get to finish the whole song, but you know, He'll a little different than day. usual. Eventually, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ray has ended up uh, passing out in the van. Is soon rushed in the hospital, though he though he's looking pretty rough. He gives Mylene the thumbs up while being wheeled into the OR, so he'll be all right. Um, despite you know later being said he got a good chewing out for his doctor from his doctor um afterwards mylene basara heading on out and uh mylene asks akiko out to dinner just to hang out because she wants to talk about adult stuff i i i, I purposely misspelled that note instead of adult stuff adult stuff i hope our listeners remember that one typo from that one episode of macross that uh <laughs> let me tell you about that we're referencing <laughs> Uh, watch Macross and you'll know. Um, yeah. anyway, uh, I learned, <laughs> lo- you know, I learned yesterday that apparently Hitachi also develops weapons for the military. That's a little <laughs> wild to me. Boy, boy. Uh, it well, don't get a- more Macross than that. What about that Shiki Shima Industries? Oh, uh, uh, we'll have, we got to save that <laughs> yeah, for next yeah, week, yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm for sorry. Later, for later. 13 <laughs> we'll see how much time good. we have. That's all we yeah. got to say. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, while they head up to dinner, Mylene's uh, <laughs> um, like, hey, Basar, you be a good boy and go get a hamburger and go home. And he's like, fucking sweet. I'm definitely going to do that. Um, <laughs> And then back Basara's on just seemed a lot happier. Uh, maybe not next episode, but this episode in episode 11. Um, he's like, or not 11, 12. Uh, he's pretty peppy. Yeah, it seems like he's a little more chilled out, like he's in a groove. And him and Mylene are coming to somewhat of an understanding. So, yeah, they're getting there. They're getting there. Um, so, meanwhile, Gamlin's on base, and he tries to get more answers from that uh, MP who was guarding the hangar. It's like, where's that Valkyrie? He's like, dude, I can't tell you anything. Stop asking. Um, <laughs> and we'll go back to the apartment in Akasho. Ray is now home. And here's that. <laughs> here's the good news. Um, um, that while the concert was a bit rough because of the vampire attack it was a success and guess what we're gonna go do a pv a promotional video a music video here soon um so that's good and also it's implied that by mylene after 
they go talk about adult stuff that he may still have a chance with Akiko as far as relationships go. And boy, that that was episode 10, the big, dense, fat Ray episode. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Like, okay, so this is delivered on something I've been kind of waiting on, which is more information about Ray, because they've been teasing it. And like, it's clear that like, it's clear that Ray is a lot more than just the band manager. Yeah. Um, and it's it's nice to finally get that payoff. And it's nice that when we got that payoff, they didn't kill him. Because I was so afraid that was what that's what was going to happen, and honestly, if if they did kill him, I would have I would have been very disappointed because it would have felt way too early. Yeah, same. Because I'm it is surprised with how many death flags. Though I kind of wonder if somebody was saying saying on the production staff, it's like, <laughs> oh, should we should we uh, have some pineapple pizza laying out before we make the full pineapple salad? If you know what I mean, um, <laughs> it would, you just uh, <laughs> they just start making people scared by just putting pineapples all over the set, like yeah, flower like girls of pineapple <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> oh, she does. Oh my god. No, 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 no. She doesn't have a pineapple. But if she was okay, a pineapple. Okay. If, oh my god, that would be amazing! Like there's just like pineapples in the foreground and background, like yeah. in every scene. Kind of like how there's a pineapple in every SpongeBob episode hidden, even if you don't see the house. <laughs> mm. I didn't know that. That's kind of clever. But, um, but yeah, like the big thing on this one for me is again the deaf deaf flags and definitely. Um, what you were talking about the Macross Plus S stuff, you definitely see that a little bit with what they set up um, mm-hmm. between Akiko, Stefan, and Ray. Um, how that all kind of uh, shook on out, um, but also it's like, oh, for a hot second with all this death flag stuff, I was like, am I? I almost put a, uh, an O instead of an A there when I was spelling Ray out in these notes. <laughs> Because he's he has a good mm-hmm. mentoring role, but he's definitely different and way more laid back from Ray and what from God <laughs> from Roy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll see this more as we we go through the next two episodes. But the, this trio of episodes really feels like the all right. The kids are now kind of settled in. They're they're tucked in. They're they're. The kids who are watching Macross 7 are in Macross 7. Now we can start to, um, you know, get the older Macross crowd um, and, like, start appealing to them a little bit mm. more and start giving them more of what we've, you know, what what they've begun to recognize as our brand. Yeah. Bring them back to the family farm. boy um did you have any more thoughts before we hop into this next meaty course of this thanksgiving macross um not really there's there's a lot of good detail there's a lot of good um ray stuff but i i think like that's all in the details i don't really have any analysis or Mm -hmm. commentary to add to it Um, because they pretty much they pretty much leave it bare bear it all out and don't leave much to interpretation there absolutely so, it's going to be interesting to, it's going to be interesting to see 
now that we know, I'd say a solid 80%, 90% of what Ray's deal is, like, how, like where are we going to take the character from here? Yeah, on? and how that affects the rest of the band, too. Yeah. So that's that's going to be exciting. It, it's finally to... It's exciting to finally get the payoff to oh, yeah. um, some of those lingering questions. Mm. All right. I guess I guess we, we got to. Are you ready to hey, uh, remember hey, love again, Dylan? Yes. I was about to say, do you remember love? <laughs> I, I might. I think the cast of Matt Cross 7 is about to. Um, <laughs> so we. Episode 11, we are in transit on a space truck, and Malene is very excited because she has been cast as Miss Macross herself, Lynn May, Lynn May, as part of a TV special. And Sara, he's kind of indifferent about it. He's not really plus or minus. He's just like, whatever. And Basara's, Mylene's not happy with that indifference he's sewing. And I'm gonna like, I'm gonna interrupt your recap real quick because I'm really mad at myself. Yeah. Um. Because like, obviously Project M is probably going to be Project Min May, but there's a part of me that's like I should have been a, I should have been a cheeky fuck and said, oh yeah, Project M. I love that mod of Brawl. <laughs> Alternative. Alternatively, oh yeah, Project M. Uh, I'm lose. I lost my train of thought for that second one. But anyway, yeah, we can I got you. go. <laughs> The, project, the best the, the Nintendo C&Ds, the UN Spacey on the Macross 7. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo of America, Max is just sitting there. It's like, so we got a, a cease and desist from uh, Nintendo CEO Neo Reggie fils um, Oh, I remember what my other joke was now. Sorry, keep, keep, keep go. riffing. You're good. You're good. Okay. Um, uh, Project M has now been disallowed and you can't play in the tournament. Sorry. Um, but go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the other one was uh, like the S3 project from Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> the Minmay project. The, like, what was it? Like the, the Solid Snake simulation yeah. project? <laughs> we got we to gotta create a second Minmay. The M3 project. oh boy um so just continuing on here um again mylene not happy with his uh, uh, indifference because it's really good for the band and all that and he's like chill out (laughs) um also uh flower girl is on point looking for basar and crew at the space part Oh, Dylan, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> uh, the three uh, Dylan's typing in the notes here. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, to, figure I'm trying to figure out what M3 would stand for, <laughs> and I'm like the Miss Macross. Cam <laughs> 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 good, dude. Um, boy, um, uh, but Dylan is more lucky because he got me. But Flower Girl didn't get. Uh, Basar and the crew is they they eventually hop in a taxi and head towards the movie studio. But as they're going through the airport, uh, Mylene actually thinks that Basar is really nervous about playing Hikaru, but he still shows that he's indifferent about it. 
and they go back and forth and start bickering. Um, and he talks a bit a little bit about, uh, you're a kid. You wouldn't get my whole vibe. Um, <laughs> but it pays off because Ray's like, hey, you better pick up your feet when we're at the end of this people mover escalator floor. You're going to trip, which they do because they're not paying attention. It's good. Uh, these um, dumb fucking kids. I love them so much. So good. My dumb children. <laughs> um, and... Like I said before, Flower Girl misses out. They ha- uh, hitch that cab to the movie studio, and we see Murica, Lady Liberty, King Ghidorah deflated on the floor, and um, all the different sound stages hanging around. And uh, <laughs> while they're touring in the studio, going around and about, Mylene then points out, it's like, oh, you must be nervous, because this isn't your regular, no, I won't do this and uh reaction and she's like you want to do this right after all oh yeah you want to do this and they bicker a little more about who's childish and all this stuff and they end up getting to the big hall where they're everybody's meeting together and having like a commencement of production dinner or something like that and Mylene is so shocked when at the door they're gre- uh, greeted by the centrati actors who are playing Britai and Comjean, all in full garb and costume. Um, and she's like, wow, was my mom a big, scary, giant woman like that back in the day? <laughs> um, though it's a kind of a funny touch um, after uh, they're kind of hanging around the food and crafts and services. You can hear those two actors giving the same introduction uh, yeah. for everybody who comes in the room. It's great. Um um but you know, some some Zentradi are just a little bit more uh they got the blinders on. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They got their thing and like but their charisma score isn't very high. Uh 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 uh. <laughs> I just love their Zentradi actors too. That just gets me and I, I love those guys. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite good. <laughs> it's good. Um but so uh, the producer comes to the stage, one Jackal Chan, <laughs> who takes the mic. I missed it, that name. Holy shit. I, I noticed that. I was like, I see what you're doing. I see you, Shoji. I know what you're doing here. Um, <laughs> he starts explaining to the crew what he has in mind for the special here. And uh, he then mentions... Hey, um, we have a couple special guests for this. And the first one is uh, Miria shows up, and she's also going to be in the special. Um, and Mylene is shocked to see her. It's like, I wasn't expecting you to be here. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm here. Um, and they're rolling that beautiful Do You Remember Love footage of Min May around and about. And the producer's like, we're basically making a History Channel original movie about these events while also including a documentary about Max and Melia's history together through those times and the events they lived. And, of course, Max is there for it, too. Though through her body language and his body language, they're not too terribly happy to be there together. It's uh, um, it's awkward. It's painful. Yeah. It's hella awk. Um, and Max wanted a gamer <laughs> GF but didn't realize... He didn't realize he got a mommy. Um, Gamer girls can be people, too. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, um, I give Max got, too much shit on this show. I really do like his yeah, character. Yeah, he's he's cool. <laughs> we just like to give him shit. Um, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, also speaking of awkward feelings, um, later on in another green room, Basara is pretty much not keen to stick on to this project when he learns it's actually propaganda for the military and for the city, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Mylene's like, uh, this stuff, the only really accurate stuff when she's looking through the script is the stuff in the documentary. This is just kind of a glazed over version of what happened to her folks, like the main meat. Um, and Basara is like, this is, this is, you can tell this is against his morals, Mm -hmm. being a spokesperson for the military here. And Ray tries to keep him. Ray tries to keep him on, saying, you know, this is a big deal for us, but <laughs> he doesn't try explaining it further to Mylene, who tries to ask again, citing, uh, you wouldn't understand it, kid. Um, elsewhere. Uh, Miria shows up with a big old stack of complaints from the citizens of City 7, given everything that's going on, the attacks, the illness, the abductions... And she's like, what the hell's going on? Max is like, I know as much as you do other than the mechs they're using are from a colony that dropped off the radar. That's all I can tell you. Um, hey, if only people in political offices were this critical of the fucking law enforcement in real life. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Plinkett. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Plankett, thank you for your time. We just called an A cab for you, so feel oh, free no to go. Problem. Uh, Macross <laughs> Two was the most disappointing project since my son. <laughs> Dad, you couldn't be good today. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm on fire. Yes, fire you bomber. are. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, yep, I'm, I'm rubbing off on you today, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I also I have a bit more energy, I think, because I ate before I recorded. This is today. true. This is true. This is true. Um, <laughs> boy. Um, anyway, so uh, Max and Amelia, uh, I'm going to be. L's and R's, dude, I'm going to switch between them. Max and Amelia pretty much admit to each other. They're really just doing this because their media offices respectively thought it would look good for everybody using their quote-unquote legendary story. Um, though, I'd wager they're also doing it for Mylene, too, knowing how big of a deal it is for her, but just not, you know, saying much about it other than that. Um and Max has a sinking feeling in his stomach about this whole thing, too. So, back on the pro-devlin ship, Gepelnich is reviewing the recon information in regards to those who can Goku or regenerate and explode their spiritual levels. He's like, okay, it's time to open up the spiritual farm. Let's go. And, uh... Hey, our girl Flower Girl is hanging by the studio gates. And inside, we're in a voiceover studio. And Max is doing voice recording for the documentary while Mylene and Amelia are sitting in the engineering room. And 
she's like, hey, mom, were you really a giant woman back then? Like, why did you become all tiny and stuff? And she's like, yeah, it's like dad was such a hunk, wasn't he? And she's like, I don't really know, girl. I don't know. (laughs) And um, she's like, uh, well, you really haven't really aged since then. It's like you're a total babe who pushed out seven kids and you're like a total MILF. So why did uh, Max break up with you? And then Mila just puts her in a headlock and is like, Shh, you know this isn't public knowledge. It isn't. Keep it on down low. And she's like, okay, well, stop being all weird and standoffish then. Uh, <laughs> and then... Afterwards, as they're leaving the studio, um, Basara's replacement, Bobby, um, comes to ask Mylene out for cake to talk <sighs> over things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And she's like, I don't know about this dude. And I was like, warning signals were going off. Because, okay, yeah, Choker is uh, one thing, but the fucking, dog, <laughs> the fucking dog collar, dude. I missed that. <laughs> Like, yeah, dude, they like they have like at least like in in place that I've been in, um, like, you know, we'll have like icebreakers or whatever, but they're they're like cast wide things like you don't. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Just like the fucking creep meter was off the charts here. Yeah. Even Ray was like, oh, I don't know about this, dude. Um, But anyway, she goes along with him. And they're zooming down the highway. And I was surprised. Um, and my notes say it's an Ishtar song, but it's actually the idol for Macross 2. There's a Macross 2 song playing on the radio. And I'm like... Hey, you know what? That's that's kind of nice, giving it a shout-out. Like, again, yeah. I, I dog on Macross 2, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy that, like, it's getting some rep. Like, I was surprised it was in there, just given how at the time Commodore's like... Step step off. I'm doing doing my thing here. But then again, it's all Big West who owns it, so they can do what they want with their music. But it was cool mm-hmm. to hear that in there. Um, like last week with the touch of just a little beginning of Silver Moon, Red Moon, like any little time they hide or sneak in old Macross music in here, I, I'm for it. Um, mm. But anyways... Um, Ray <laughs> talking about being suspicious. Um, he actually uh, called Bassar and has them tailing them because you know obviously wigged out by Creeper McCreeper. I the, it got he, he was so creepy that I stopped. I started had to keep on correcting myself because um, I ended up writing out Booby instead of Bobby. So you know, <laughs> boy. Um, and we learned that. Bobby's actually trying to take Mylene out for a different kind of cake. Um, that kind of cake that you'd get by the ocean. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Anyways. Um, and also more Macross 2 music while while they're driving around. Because, boy, uh, he wants to get to a love hotel fast. And yeah. Basara ends up finding who I think is Bobby's uh, manager. And is like, okay, what hotel... Does he like to go to? Like, you tell me now. And uh, so Miley and Bobby get in the parking complex, and she tries to, like, I'm out, out of here. But he gets physical and tries to grab her, and she and she slaps. He's like, oh, do that again. Um, however, she's saved via a vampire who life sucks Bobby. 
Um, Dude, let me tell you something. If, like, ever there was someone who deserved to, like, lose all of their hopes, dreams, ambitions, and will to live, I would say Bobby is definitely one of them. Yep, he had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, um, aside that cell block tango aside, um, Mylene manages to slip out... um, uh, because Masara shows up and ends up just full on running into the vampire with the van. That's great. And he's also blasting Sharon, Sharon Apple music. I just have to point that out. Uh, mm-hmm. But she gets in the van and also Basara grabs Bobby and so they can get out of there. And she's like, yo, you got to watch out, dude. Like there's blood suckers everywhere. And he's not just talking about the vampires looking to suck up life juice. Um, and also flower girl, she, you know, she's doing her thing, getting more flowers, flower girl, <laughs> goat, 2020, 1994, eternal, never goat. did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so Basara is back in the project. He's playing Hikaru again. Um, and he still doesn't want to do it, but Ray mentions that, yeah, it's a recruitment video, but <laughs> People, the Macross 7 need some hope. Something to take their mind off all this vampire nonsense and the fighting that's been happening. Using this legendary story and uh, he doesn't say it, but you can tell from his body language. Bizarre is like, okay, all right, let's do this. Yeah. And then they start filming the next day and Mylene is in costume and she is cuning it up. Talking about how her boyfriend obviously is a pilot and Basara is all in his uh, Hikaru costume as well. And he's like, why are we wearing this helmet? And also, why did they put this stupid accoutrement on my fire velk? It's just it's, obvi- it, it feels very much like Shoji Kawamori taking the piss out of himself, which, yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes me think of like when I see an old picture of myself from high school and I'm like, oh, God, I did not know how to dress. <laughs> Because it's funny how the uh, the props for the VF1 Super Packs are just pretty much like just duct taped onto the, the yeah. Fire Valk. It's like, I, I think they're going to know that's not a VF1, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the highly classified fighter jet that's in a recruitment documentary. Yeah, just don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um uh, well, I think initially that's part of the shoot. The proto-double and mechs show up and right in the middle of, of filming. So Ibarra, Ibarra, Basara <laughs> checks the Ibarra Sweets, the cave shooter. <laughs> Sorry, that was... Okay, you did get that. All right, that was for me and me alone, but I, I I'm glad you got that. it. Um, <laughs> so Basara... Ejects, jettisons all the the cardboard attached to his Valkyrie, and they get ready to jump on that planet dance, saying, "Hey, this is our real debut, Mylene." So they're going out and doing it, and then Melia um, notices with the film crew that, "Yo, that's actually the enemy. Let's send out the D Force and the Valkyries right now." So they get sent out, and it does take a hot minute for Mylene to start singing with Basara. Though, through seeing what he does, and also kind of flashbacking to foot, um, DR, uh, DRYL, there we go, I did the acronym right, footage of uh, Min Mei, 
Um, it's like, oh, I, I, I see what's going on here. I see why she did this. I see why Bizarre is doing this. And she joins in, and Gamblin is surprised to hear her voice in the middle of the battlefield. And <laughs> oh, um, he's not the only one who's surprised. Mealy is not happy that she's out there with Basara, <laughs> who is, you know, a bit reckless, but, you know, <laughs> obviously. Um, so she's not happy about that. And though, speaking of people not being happy, this is not what the director of the film wanted. But he's pretty damn stoked they're getting this footage anyway, so they're just rolling with it. <laughs> And so, you know, it's both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yes, yes. And the soon after the proto-devil and f- uh, fold out as the D-Force finish cleaning house with them. And also, hey, uh, Fire Bomber gets to finish the song this time around. And uh, ends with Mylene just thinking about, too, more flashes of Min Mei showing up and... Kind of getting it, kind of getting a bizarre uh, bit more because uh, the episode's over. So just going to a bit of analysis here. I think Mylene is getting it just with Basara's and Basara and Min May, oddly enough, were kind of in some ways on the same wavelength that they were doing this yeah. for the good of the people um, and trying to use song, not war, more than. Uh, big guns so even though there are a lot of big guns still but mm-hmm. and she she gets it she gets why Basara a little more is the way he is in all of this so I, I just really it's it, again what uh, thing I really dug about Macross 7 for my initial viewing how the show is very much like yo Minmay said song was very important that was made clear and they just take that even further and I, I like I like where we go with this um, and I'm excited for you to see it, Dylan. But it's like, yeah, a lot of good stuff here. I, I had a bit of an epiphany while watching that scene with both of them in the cockpit um, as well, uh, you know, next to Mylene. Um, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, Lin Min May, she sang and, you know, she didn't really have any purpose behind it. She just liked singing and she wanted to she wanted to uh sing and act and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, with Bossara's case, it feels more like he is inspired by the effect that Min May's music had on the Zentradi. Yeah. But with Bossara, it's interesting because he's not singing for... I mean, you know, he's singing for everybody, but um, he's singing to address a problem that has developed with Macro- the Macross uh, Seven Society. Um, where like we have become like we as humans have become more like Zentradi in that our society has become a lot more rigid. It's become a lot more, um, I wouldn't say it's become a lot more militaristic than it was in the Mm -hmm. original Macross, but like that's still an element that's there. And that's something that, uh, Bossar is trying to push back against. And he's definitely addressing it because we talked to like, and Macross 2 in the original series, how the military people kind of became celebrities in Macross 2, and kind of the same in the original show, because Minmay was so tied in and into all of it, um, yeah. that Basara is like, he's actively, I like that he's actively questioning it, questioning it, and looking into it, and sticking to his guns, 
and not being a fucking piss baby like Kaifun about it. Yeah. The 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 best thing about Basara and honestly I'm going to have to play back the the first episode we did for Macross 7 um where I wasn't entirely sure about him at first. Um the more you kind of learn about uh the the current state of society in Macross 7, the easier it is to gel with Basara even when he's being difficult. Yeah. Because you 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 start to understand why he's being difficult. Yeah, because more often than not, he has a a good reason about that he's thought out a lot about, even though yeah. it can come off as rough and abrasive to other people very yeah. often. He, he he does a really shitty job of like explaining himself and explaining his feelings, but like his feelings are logical; they make sense. Yeah. Um, and they're they're well thought out, unlike Kaifun who was really just kind of inflammatory um, mm. and ironically yeah. loved conflict. Yep. Yep. Because um, really the only person who fully gets, uh, two people really, who fully get Basara at this point are, um, I'd probably say Ray and Vafita, because I've known yeah. him probably the longest and how that works. Like, um, again, like in moments like in the last episode where, Vafita's like, yo, trying to be rational with Basara, or even uh, Basara with Mylene is just <laughs> not possible, or even this episode where Ray's like, yeah, I know how you feel, but, you know, uh, with doing the whole um, special shoot. So it's a lot of, it's interesting, and Mylene is starting to get that a bit more as things yeah. go on, because, yeah. I think Basar's definitely gotten a little bit better now, too, because he's actually... I think he's realizing just a little bit how much of a dick he can be on occasion. As right, to- he's getting to- a little bit out of his own head. Yeah, because he's kind of toning like his outright venom down into... Um, kind of down into indifference most of the time, because I think he's aware yeah. of how much tension that can cause, especially after... That led to really since uh, Mylene threatened to leave the band, he's really mm-hmm. kind of chilled out since then for the most part. Right. Uh, yeah, he he. I I definitely think that Basra, you know, he he can still regress a little bit, but it's it has never been to like the same extent as like he was in those earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. All right. Did you have any other thoughts before we wrap up this big chungus? Um, I don't I don't think so. Not with this episode. Um, wow. Let me let me go through the notes again real quick and see if there was anything I, I missed. Um, oh, th- this this is more like, you know, more mild cinema sins nitpicks, not actual criticism against the show or anything. Um, but this is a really weird shoot. <laughs> um, yeah like i think about it and it's like wait you didn't know that those ships weren't yours like were were you were you keeping track of them <laughs> uh like do, do you know where your stunt pilots are <laughs> yeah um also like Basara's the lead role and he never had to audition Yep. You know, just like little things like that. Or what was Bobby's plan? Like, yeah, sexually harass the leading lady. And what you you still have to 
like you still you still got a job like you can get fired from that job you can like yeah especially, especially considering too that mommy and daddy are around too so they're very powerful <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> yeah uh, like again uh not not like a big deal because like i i still think the plot works but it's just kind of like hey is, is no one else kind of weirded out that the the guy we just hired is like just took our leading lady <laughs> Yeah, like is is it best. is it just her close personal friends? Like uh, okay, uh, boy. Um, uh, I hate to say it, but when we eventually get to encore, that's not the not the first time that Mylene almost gets assaulted. So uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I yeah guess. well. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get yeah. there, I guess. Yeah. Um so so um let's 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 go let's get down let's on the farm. Fold into the next episode. Keep uh, folding, 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 folding. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. Um so uh we get a quick recap at the start of the episode. Um just that the spiritual farm project is heating up, just all the what's happened just to keep everybody informed and what's what the thrust is right now and uh mylene is going down the road driving like a mad woman and almost crashes the car because she's in her kimono and she gets her sleeve caught on the shifter (laughs) and almost goes straight into a tree but guvava is able to get that kimono sleeve off <laughs> boy and she arrives at the apartment to deliver a rework song to ray and she and besides like why aren't you sticking around you're like you don't look too fired up in that gear and it's like i have a date and uh <laughs> and i must adhere to traditional japanese femininity mm-hmm. that's and, that's my commentary for the episode <laughs> And and Basar is like, don't push yourself too hard. And she's like, ah, mo, um, which is like, ah, don't don't get angry at me. The ah, um, she's she's perturbed with that, but that's my lead for you. And uh, she ends up meeting with Gamelin at a swanky restaurant, though her mom's goons are watching pretty closely. Um, and a guy who is not Michael, who is watching her respectfully. Uh, uh, compliments the kimono, so points to that guy for not being a creep like Michael. Um, Way better than Michael. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, but something I kind of noticed, um, I, um, whenever they're, have you noticed whenever they're at high-end restaurants and anime most of the time, it's like high-rise, swanky places? Yeah. Like this? Yeah. I just, I just noticed that as like, is this an anime reference? No, it's just like, <laughs> I, I which think makes it's, sense. It's probably like the, like, you know, visually the most direct and to the point way to show, hey, this is a swanky place without us really having to have a million different um, backgrounds that detail that this place is swanky. True. It, it's it's the uh, student looking out the, the window in class. Um, mm-hmm. That's That's my hypothesis, mm-hmm. at least, you know. Also, I do see like in like another piece of Japanese media I've seen this. This shows up in other stuff, too. But mm-hmm. I've, you see a lot of high rise and there's a lot of high rise swanky restaurants in Japan anyway. So that might be part of yeah. it. 
That's um, also true. So that's, I think it might be a little column A and column B. Yeah, a little bit of both. I um, imagine it's bit. easier when you only have to draw the skyline in... I like you know. I'd have to look at the episode again. I'm not saying this is the case with this episode specifically, um, but I'm just thinking like uh, I'm rambling now. But oh, you're I, good. I think it's you just, get where, what I mean. Yeah, it's just something I wanted to point out because I noticed I, my brain went these two things, these two wires hit together, and the light bulb went off. Um, but anyways, uh, Gamlin compliments her on the kimono. And he's like, and they're a little awkward. And she's like, hey, uh, do you like to sing? And she's like, oh, I, I just do karaoke. And there's uncomfortable laughing, which <laughs> leads Mylene to dipping her kimono in steak sauce. And <laughs> guava put, uh, pops out. And Camel's like, who's this little furry dude? And it's like, oh, my dad got this uh, little dude for me from our planet, and he's always with me. Um, and... <laughs> She's like, isn't he cute? Uh, and he's like, yeah, Clyde Desunay, totally cute. <laughs> so he's a little <laughs> caught, uh, caught off guard. And oh, I, I, I took a screen cap of the picture of him looking at Guvava because it's like too fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real cool. <laughs> it's like totally, he's adorable. Uh, he's, um, he's so cute. I want five of them. Yes. I love him. Um, so Mylene's like, I'm going to go rinse out this stain in my kimono before it comes worse. However, um, oh, you sent me a screen. I need to take a look at this screenshot. Yep. Like, Gubaba yep. has, like, the you like Krabby Patties, don't you, Squidward? <laughs> look on <laughs> yeah. his face. Yeah, he kind of does. Huh, Squidward? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. ready. Oh, my God. <laughs> For Macross. Um, Basra, can't you see I'm trying to be boring? <laughs> the squid word of Macross, boy. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mylene's trying to rinse out that stain in the bathroom, but a vampire knocks her out and also, like, knocks out Guvava by just tossing him right into the mirror and cracking it before running out with her. And... Um, afterwards, uh, Gamblin finds Guvava and he's like talking with the detectives and he's like, why didn't they take him? Because he's always with her. And Michael's boy watching by is like, uh, so they took, they took Mylene, Michael, and he just blows a gasket and then, then reports it to Amelia, who rightfully so does it as well. And, uh, as she sends off Michael to go, go find her because she will end, end him if she doesn't find Melia. I'm not Melia, Mylene. Melia um, runs into Max, who comes passing by Michael as he's running off. Who Max finds out right away as well. And uh, back on some deck of the Macross Seven, Max, Melia, and Officer, and hey, Exodol being all big and brainy and hanging off in the corner. They're, uh, they're making like Batman and reviewing their bat cave of recent <laughs> upticks in kidnappings and attacks, trying to figure out any commonalities, um, who's and where they notice there's a couple people who work in the fold sections of the ship who've been taken too, And Amelia ends up being walking out frustrated because there's, she has nothing to go on. And next like, Hey, I know you're pissed about Mylene, but she's like, I got a team for that. I'm 
as much as I'm pissed about her, I'm really pissed that they're endangering the people and turning over the lives of City 7's people. So it's like, I'm, I'll make sure they take care of that. Fuck. Oh, just, I got that taken care of, fun. Sit and do your job. Drink, drink your gamer juice and, um, talk with your big brainy friend. I got this. Um, and on the Proto Devlin ship, a researcher's talking to Gepelnich, and he's talking about how the samples uh, are an unlimited spiritual batteries, pretty much, and that the process is going well, and Gepelnich is ready to open up the farm. Um, and Michael, uh, back on Akka's show, busts into the band's apartment looking for Mylene, and he's, um, and that's how the band finds out. They're like, they just end up running past him, uh, going to look for themselves. And Michael gives him a big old head bonk and literally goes for the concrete of the door frame and the drywall. It's just pretty good. Um, yeah, that that got an actual laugh out of me. Uh, was, I, I laughed out loud and then I apologized to my dad because he was watching the football game. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael definitely had it coming, so I'm good with that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I hope it hurt. Yes, I hope so too. And he pays, he gets some of the nicest store ever as a replacement. Um, like I decide, but you, you think Basara's apartment is kind of the place where they go to other abandoned apartments nearby and they just take random doors and try to see what fits with which door. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like in the most cobbled together apartment in history. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so, Masara and the band arrive on the scene to figure out what's happened so far. And out behind the restaurant, Gamblin shows up and talks to the detectives, saying, Hey, there was people know us a suspicious truck heading out around here around the time of the kidnapping. And another detective shows up and corroborates the story. So they head on out. And then Guvava starts perking up and vibing out in Basara's hands. He's like, Okay, he's pointing to Mylene. Let's hop in the car and go. And so they eventually, uh, Firebomber and the cops arrive in the same abandoned warehouse district at the same time. And the cops are like, who the hell are you? And Gamlin gets pretty, <laughs> they come to blows pretty fast. Because um, Bizarre's like, oh, you couldn't protect her, uh, protect her, right, boyfriend? And he's like, why, why are you here? What are you doing? Like, you're always getting in the way. And Basara's like, she didn't tell you she, she's in the band, right? It's like, it should have come up by now. And he's like, what? Um, and then back on the Proto-Devil sh- uh, ship, the vampire spies report in to be recovered, while Gepelnich orders uh, Giggle to launch his assault and recover them. And the band, <laughs> figuring that they can't search all the warehouses... They start setting up their gear and amps and all that, and they start jamming in front of the warehouses. Basara telling a very stressed out and confused Gamlin that if she hears the song, she'll she'll let them know. That's the um, most necky Basara thing to do, yes. and I fucking love it. It's, it's so good. good. It's real good. <laughs> and, and also Flower Girl's in this district for some reason, too. Um, Man, Flower Girl, she's just like... I, I, I cannot think of someone who, like, is more like, yeah, I know this band. I'm their number one fan. I know they're about to perform. I can feel it. I feel it through my bones. Just got a I, sixth sense about it. Sixth, sixth you, sense. You see, Flower Girl, 
in a, in a in a brief weird uh, moment of crossover, Flower Girl is a new type, <laughs> and she can feel when Fire Bomber's about to drop one. Okay, I you know what I can believe that I can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my head cannon. Now you're all welcome. <laughs> it's not for piloting. Uh, Gundams, no, it's for finding this really cool rock band she likes. <laughs> um, but uh, it actually seems to get through to her. Uh, maybe just on uh, my lean, that is. Uh, song gets through to her either just because she hears it or senses it through Guavava, who is still like vibrating on top of the amplifiers. And Mylene finds herself with many of the same people in the same room where we're abducted. She starts singing, which it starts rousing all the other victims out of their days. And at first they're like, why is she singing? And people start singing along with her to start raising their spirits. And Guvava then runs off towards that basement hangar she's being kept in. And again, being like, what? It actually worked? But, and he tries to follow out, but he gets called to go launch with the D-Force, so he heads on off, trusting Basar in the game to do it, which they do. Um, but um, but then Max and Exodol realize that they're trying to smuggle out um, the people in the container, and the D-Force is ordered to keep them as far away from the ship as possible, them being the Proto-Devlin. And Mylene keeps on singing them, but the, again, the prison container is moved um, to an airlock and taken away to a transport ship. And Ray is just... I, I spelled it Roy here, of course. I was bound to do it. Um, Ray isn't able to hack the door in time because it's already depressurized to get them out. However, Basara runs off to the firebalk as Madge Stable punched through um, the launching transport ship and get the containers back and through the airlock. However, because of them spies, you know what was really going on, Battle 7 is forcibly detached from City 7, and the Proto-Devlin fold out the whole cam clamshell and <laughs> this whole container and samples thing was actually a smokescreen for their real plan, folding the whole city on out. And that is our cliffhanger and where we leave it. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> much a what we folded to Pluto without our <laughs> our folding engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the same energy and I, I'm, I'm living same. for it. Same. Like, I had totally forgotten this is what happened. And I'm just like, okay, I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> but that, boy, um, beef on beef on beef this week for episodes. Um, I think I went through most of my thoughts just going through all this. Did you have any, any other things in mind? Um, It's like, well, I, I did already mention the uh, kimono Japanese femininity. I think it's reinforced a little bit here, um, though I did talk about it last week as well. Mm. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think if I have anything else to add. It's just it's just been really solid uh, character stuff, uh, yeah. and not just really solid character stuff, really solid plot stuff. Where we're finally, I this sounds like a derogatory, like this sounds like an insult against the show, but like, it's nice that we're finally getting the ball rolling after now, now that we are 
situated and comfortable. Yeah. Which is good, because I remember when I first watched, like, oh, not till... I told you this before. It's like, it doesn't really get going till episode 20. It's like, I'm wrong. I was 10, 10 episodes... <laughs> 10 episodes too late on that. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, this happens and we're just kind of stuck here for a little while. And yeah. then, like... Because um, I, I think Zeta Gundam also is guilty mm. of that, where, like... Like, we, we get two, like, really solid back-to-back arcs, and then, like, Camille goes back to into space, and it's just, like, ten episodes of, like, nothing really happening. Uh, Camille gets the Zeta Gundam, that's kind of cool, but, like, nothing mm-hmm. really happens in the plot. Um, I get you. At least that's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that that's always a possibility, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. I know, I know next time we'll see... Uh... We'll see Ultimate Battle Space Milf uh, again properly, um, so that'll be good. Um, I, Battle I mean, Space Milia. Milf. Why is that? Milia. Okay, I was about to say, is Melia like? Because <laughs> that's Pretty. all I could think of. I'm like, is there another character who's a Battle Space Milf? That's that's Melia um, in this show. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> um, so yep, that was. This weekend, actually, I do believe we have some time because we are yeah, an hour like and ten we minutes. actually got through this a lot faster than I thought. Yeah. Um, so um, let's do our plugs real quick because we are going to talk a little bit about a little game called uh, here in a moment called Thirteen Sentinels: Aegis Rim. Um, and I'm going to tell you there will be some light spoilers. We won't go super hard into it. But that is a game you should play as blind as possible. Please do that. Um, so please keep that in mind. We're going to do our plugs here real quick, and then we'll get hop on into that. So, as always, you can find us on anchor.fm slash duty, remember? Those kind folks over there will push us out on over to Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, we're most likely there. And then uh, we're also in the social medias. Facebook slash do you remember Twitter at do you remember and if you always wanted to yell and scream at us um, especially about Macross 2 being the true best of the franchise uh, give us a shout at dyrmcast at gmail.com and as always huge thanks to Chris Eakins um, artist of the shoot 'em up game wrist system for providing the show's key art again Check out the game. It's awesome. And he's also working on a new game here soon. So excited to see when he's ready to talk about that. So see what he's up to. Uh, follow at system underscore game on Twitter. And again, it's out now on Steam and Itch. So please check out system. It's worth your time there. And then Dylan, take me backstage and into your unexplored tango sectors. Okay, uh, yeah, so I, I'm involved in a couple of other podcasts, uh, the uh, most primary of which is Backstage Gaming, where um, I talk with friend of the show, Chris Wilson. We, we talk about video games and how uh, mechanically and level design and sound design and environmental design, how all of these things tie together to sell a story um, or sell a narrative that the game is trying to present uh, and then, you know, sometimes we just also generally talk about games because we like video games and games are fun. Uh, we also talk a little bit about tabletop games. So if that sounds fun, if that sounds like your thing, um, you should check us out at Backstage Gaming. Uh, you can find us on 
Facebook, on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And if you want to listen to us, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, I am also on the podcast, uh, The Unexplored Places, uh, where we are on the... It, it's it's an actual play podcast uh, divided into seasons. Uh, the season we are currently on is a science fiction-themed story called Tango Sector, in which we use the game system Scum and Villainy to tell a variety of stories featuring our intrepid... Yeah, sorry. Our intrepid adventurers, uh, who are all, you know, smugglers and thieves on the ship, the Pelagian. Um, it's it's a ton of fun, um, high stakes, uh, just just crazy scenarios that we gotta fight our ways, uh, fight our way out of. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can find them on unexploredcast.libsyn. That is l i b s y n dot com. Yeah, boy. And you said there's a high stakes. Are we talking like a uh, nice cut of ribeye or wagyu? Uh, well, there's a mechanic in Scum and Villainy where if you um, if you try too hard to get out of a situation, you can end up with trauma. So like, yeah, trauma is a is a game mechanic in this in this uh, system. So I get. You could say that you're in a trauma center and you're under the knife. You're under the <laughs> knife. <laughs> uh, for for more shit posts and dumb jokes like that, you can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Rider Strike. Hey, where where they can where can they find you for more dumb shit, Dylan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Dilla. That is T H A underscore D I L A. Yeah, Boyd Hill, thrill ya. Ha, 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 ha. Um, anyway, <laughs> so. Side, let's, side let's... note, uh, you should follow Coop's Twitter because his Twitter has baffled Patrick Boyvin uh, and uh, Erica Lindbeck. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, just going forward here. Let's talk about that 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Again, this is a game you should go, like I said before we got in the plugs, I'd recommend going into this as blind as possible. Um, and even if it, you might think it's not your cup of tea, if you like mecha and mind-bending stories, I would definitely recommend it just to give it a shot. If you see it on sale, um, please pick it up. I think it's still 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. on the Bezos land and game plop. So um, if you could find a local game store for the same price or more, a little more support those guys um, do that um, instead of the big, big boy, if you can. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're going to have to lead the story on this one, buddy. Yeah. Cause I, I know I have way more answers than you do. And yes, <laughs> To know yeah, the answers so, is to ruin the story. Yeah, so holy <laughs> shit. Like, this game has been giving me the most, like, yo, what if Christopher Nolan um, it, uh, knocked up Yoshioki Tamino, and then he went and knocked up, this kid went and knocked up... Um, Ryoko Narita, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah, so and was, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, because it's... Um, it also has Ava vibes, like hardcore. So the, basically the story of the game is these um, 13 kids uh, are fighting these aliens, which are funny enough called the D-Force as well. Um, <laughs> um, the Daimos, 
and they're having to fight this big invasion, but that's not the whole story. There's like some RTS strategy play with that. That's fun. But it's mostly, um, in a way, kind of a visual novel. It looks so good. Like, it's, it's it, almost like... It is like... VanillaWare's best-looking game. I, I yeah. went back and played um, Odin Sphere Leifdrasir, um, which, you know, is a much earlier uh, VanillaWare, <laughs> VanillaWare game. But, like, holy cow. To go from that to 13 Sentinels, it's like, boom, oh my god. Um, yeah. Just the, the characters... Uh, I don't exactly know how they're animated, but like the, the skeleton for the, the character sprites, because I, I think, yeah, tweeting's involved. Um, yeah. You know, they're just a lot more complex. Um, they they have a lot more complex movements. Their proportions are a lot more realistic. Um, yeah, it, 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 it just looks really good. And unlike Dragon's Crown, which was kind of going for like a very pulpy, fantastical type of vibe, like... 13 Sentinels, for the most part, because obviously there's the occasional character, I won't say who, wink, wink. Um, the, they're, they're very grounded, design-wise. Yeah, because with, boy, with this, the thing that gets you the most, because there's all, fun fact, there's time travel involved, and this, uh, the game's just gorgeous. Like, this will be a little incoherent rambly, because this game is, like, like Dylan was saying, me leading it. Boy, it's hard to talk about um, without spoiling anything. Basically, just the the rough, the rough, rough shot of it is the thing that got me. Because you you told me when, around the time when you came the game, played the game. Because a lot of these kids are having dreams of being robot pilots, and things are kind of set up, and it takes place in '85 mostly, um, <laughs> and. Oh, boy. Uh, let me tell you about people having new brain things replaced and memories erased. And, uh, like, the thing you told me about, it's like, oh, I had this dream, but they called me a different name. I'm like, I've heard that name before. Yep, yep, yep. That, <laughs> that guy is really this guy. And uh, then, and then you go through guy. the games in you go through the in-game Wikipedia because this game is so complex it has an in-game glossary and like important Yuck. terms and stuff. And you're like pouring over it, being like, "All right, where did I hear that name before?" Mm. And that actually, these three different characters you saw uh, in the game, thinking they're separate people, are actually all the same person um, yep. from different points in time. Or Maybe. They could, or they could be an android. Um, like, it's just a bunch of wacky shit like that. Um, that is just... Like, that's the most interesting part to me. It's like, okay, how does this weird cocaine spider web of what's going on... Like, even the robot stuff isn't the most yeah, interesting thing to my, to me, or it's like the time the, the travel. The robots are and, actually super de-emphasized in like yeah. the majority of the game. It's, it's really just all the time and dimension fuckery. Cause yeah. it's like, um, uh, the, the robots too. And now they handle all that is very, um, I, I was telling, I was telling a friend that like the thing about like the time travels and, and dimension stuff and all of that, I like, you know, I, I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil anything, but it is simultaneously way less complicated than you think it is. 
But like when you learn the the truth, you're like, oh wait, no, this just got way more complicated. Yeah. Well, I think of that woolly clip you sent me before I started playing. It's like, wow, everything I thought was happening is actually a lie. Um, <laughs> and he's, I think he uh, he was talking about a character shows up and you just get to play the prologue at first, and I'm like, you're yep. talking about Goto, aren't you? Because Goto yep. knows Goto knows a lot. He's like the of the 13 characters you play in this game, because they're each seeing their stories and different perspectives of what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, this is the uh, accurately you could say you are playing an anime. I'm just going to say that right now. This is an interactive anime. Sue me. Um, but um, out of 13 characters, Goto knows the most, and he's the most mysterious. So, um, yeah. So Because each character you're going through part of their day or different routes in their day to bring the whole story together of what happened uh, so that you can proceed on. And then parts of it get, get gated off that are really predicated on you knowing different parts from a different character or getting far enough in the combat. So they pace it out and don't overwhelm you. I'll, if I'll you say want... this because this is really interesting. Um, I'm at a point in the game where there are only two characters left that I still need to beat and both of them are gated off because I have to get through like five battle maps um, as of gotcha. right now. Um, one of the characters is exactly who you think it is that they're saving for last. Um, yeah. This is kind of a spoiler, but I mean, you're already kind of talking about it. Of course it's Goto. Who yeah, else could it be? I, why wouldn't it be Goto? Why so. wouldn't it be Goto? Um, like you, you, you get to play like once you unlock him again, you get to play with him like a surprising amount, and then like okay, mm. yeah, but you you're not allowed to finish him. Um, and then there's another character, who, and I won't spoil who that is because that might be a big spoiler or it might not. I honestly don't know because I have no clue what the conclusion to this character's story is going to be. But it, I was surprised to see that they were the one I have to beat after finishing Goto's. The, the person I could only person I could think of don't tell me uh, the only person I could think would be as complicated as Goto is Yori. So is who? Sorry, Yori. You got, um, okay, so I I won't say anything, but it's really funny you say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really funny you say that. Uh oh, god, this was a mistake because I I can't say anything to confirm or deny if it's Iori or not. Um, because I, I, in my brain, it's either something with uh, Mira or Iori. Because I'm not going to say how, but they're <laughs> obviously tied. You can you can tell a couple things when couple things when a couple things go in a couple directions. When you go, that person is really the same person as that other person, and you realize the connective tissue. Oh, um, dude, dude. When when I tell, oh man, okay. Um, <laughs> This is not a conversation. This is just Dylan suffering because he can't say anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like people who've who've played Thirteen Sentinels will will feel me on this. <laughs> but it's it's just <laughs> it's it's just it's just this thing of like I I know what you're thinking and I know why you're thinking it and I want to tell you the truth. But obviously, I can't tell you the truth yeah. because that's something you have to discover on your own. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we should figuring, definitely do a spoiler cast for this. Yes, I'm just going to say course, that right now. Later on, uh, I'd love to. Um, 
Um, and just also as well, I was thinking, start talking about the story, because it's kind of, like I said, Nolan earlier, it's kind of done memento-esque, where you're also seeing random parts here, and you don't know the context of these characters' mm-hmm. stories all the time. Um, um, I, I was I was going to say, like, uh, I, I've said on the show before that one of my favorite animes of all time is Bacano. Um, yeah, oh yeah, I, oh yeah. And, and if <laughs> you don't fucks with Bacano, hopefully you've seen Dorara. Um, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, where it's kind of that non-linear jumping from character perspective to character perspective, and you're like, who's the main character? Joke's on you, they're all equally important. <laughs> um, and they all have a very unique perspective on things that radically changes the vibe of the story. Mm. Um, and 13 Sentinels does that really well, and then it has the added complication of, again, time travel, multiple versions of the same person, and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I, I think oh yeah, it ahead. really. I was gonna say it balances that well too, because you can find yourself going easy to go down a certain character's route and want to exhaust it. But kind of the best way to do it is like just pick a random character to start, and then mm-hmm. the next what you do, unless you unless you get like a really quick eh kind of ending to part of one character's stories, like it's like oh and not much happening kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, character Juro has a couple of those, where it's just like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, he's just living his life. No big re- yeah. revelations. Um, there's, um, it's really easy when you just do see the big stuff to be like, oh, this character was involved in these events, so let's go and see what's going on in this character's story. Yeah, um, and it makes it really I, easy I, I to do, bounce I, around. I, I do recommend. Uh, picking characters that you might not necessarily be interested in. Um, just because I feel like I would have gotten a lot more, this is like kind of spoilers, but not really because you would actually need context. Um, but I feel like I would have gotten a lot more out of a Sekigahara story. If I played more of Ryoko Shinonome's first, even though I don't think they like, they cross over, but they don't, there was oh, never played, uh, anything in Sekigahara's that made me go, oh, man, I need to play Shinonome's now. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely regret that. I should have I should have spent time switching between those two. I was kind of going between for a good bit there between her, him and then Yuki, because they're all kind of tied together in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, like I said, like anywhere you go, because the beginning of the game because this is what's concerned of mine with all the stories and all this stuff, because just being like seeing a quick look or something of it can be really overwhelming. Yeah, just absolutely. Just to get an idea of it. Just give it a shot. The game is very well at lining out these stories and giving you a good on-ramp before being like, okay, it's it's all up to you now. The game's, you the game's in-game uh, glossary and cutscene viewer is also very comprehensive. Yes. So... Uh, there was, I actually like, so I've been playing through the game with my brother. Um, so that's why I haven't beaten it yet. But, uh, there, there was a a day where Jordan wasn't home and I just decided I'm just going to go into the event viewer and see if I have the timeline straight. Mm. Uh, and you know, uh, thankfully that resource is in the game and it, it does help a lot. Um, it you know with the chronology of what's going on with the um maybe there's a term that you heard but like you didn't actually register what it was until you saw someone else mention it in someone else's campaign uh so the the game does a good job of like you know 
if there's a new term, they'll add the term to the glossary. Um, and if another character comes across that term, they'll update it for you. And they'll, they'll even notify you um, how many terms got updated, how many terms got added, um, how many locked terms are there that you need to unlock to uh it like with points that you earn in one of the games other like the 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 battle mode yeah what uh what battles you have to redo to unlock certain files because you didn't meet all the requirements <laughs> yeah yeah uh i i do have a little issue with that um i i yeah, like the, the rts uh combat generally my my big gripe is that i wish the game did i wish the game let me preview the map so i i knew what builds mm. i should be focused on yeah. before i deploy i just kind of like put out half of them and then go with the other half and just kind of go back and forth on that until oh, i need to refresh that's them. what that's what i do but like the fire emblem player in me hates that i get you like get let you. me see the map let me see what enemies you know if more enemies spawn that's fine but let me at least plan for the first wave i part of me kind of you saying that part of me kind of thinks like um somebody on the dev team is all like let's put permadeath in this mode and the director george kamitani just hops out of his chair and is like joe this shit is complicated as it is let's not make it worse (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, oh god, that'd be a nightmare. Yeah, but uh, overall, if you if you like Mecha and really just kind of really mind bending stories, uh, it's worth checking out. Um, uh, we're a little more cagey, like a, a cagey about it here, because again, Dylan Dylan has looked into Pandora's box, and I've only taken a peek. Um, yeah, my my madman's insight is shooting through the roof. So it's it's a lot, but I definitely recommend you check it out, and we'll we'll definitely look into doing a spoiler cast. Or it'd be funny if Wilson's like, I don't know if I'll ever get around to this. Just really confuse him on an episode of BSG with all the spoiler talk. <laughs> Just like yeah, be like, all right, stick with me. You with me so far? No. At the end of the episode, Chris is like, What did you guys talk about? <laughs> oh, hey, Chris, Chris, God of War 2018. Now tell me about your narrative thoughts on that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But anyway, thank you for sticking with us this week. We had a big, meaty one. And uh, next week, more stuff will happen. Uh, best green-haired super MILF will be back next week in full force outside of being a mayor. Uh, just, she's a babe. Let me say it. She's, she's good. She's good. Is it bad that um, my first thought was like Lady Rhea from Fire Emblem Three Houses isn't in Macross? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. Might anyway, well be. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week or whatever you decide to listen on in. Y'all take care of yourselves. Have a good one. Bye bye. See you guys.